0: Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mix Club page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. You are listening to the 15th episode of Hashtag Speak Up Thursday with Love, Music, Hate, Racism on Soho Radio. Uh, we air the show every two weeks at noon on SohoRadioLondon.com. And today's a special one. Um, not going to lie. It's, uh, we're pre-recording. This is Martin Luther King Day 2021. The date is January 18th for all of the non-American listeners. Um, and I'm going to be speaking with Kenneth Alexander Campbell. And Kenneth is a documentary film director, producer, and educator based in New York, uh, he's had, he's been published by the Oxford American and the Washington Post. He directed the documentary short Black, spelled B L A H C, and uh, he was the impact producer of a documentary that is out now called M L K slash F B I, and it um, it digs deep into the FBI surveillance of the late great Doctor Martin Luther King, and um, we we are honored to be speaking to him today. Uh, and I'm really, really encouraging everybody to go see the film. You can check it out anywhere where you watch your films online. Now it is, um, I think it's really important. Um, and, and I really, really encourage everybody to go see it. So thank you, Kenneth, for joining me. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, all things considered. Um, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, pretty good. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've never met. You could probably tell by the accent that I actually come from that side of the ocean, uh, but I've been living in London for the, the last 10 years, and um, yeah, watching the last, the last week or two from, from this side is def- and having people that live here ask me how I feel about it has been pretty surreal. Um, but before we get into uh, kind of like drawing the lines of, of the civil rights movement of the 60s to, to this moment in time, I wanted to talk to you about the making of this film, Um, so you are the, you're the impact producer of this film. What does that mean to the layman like me? And what, what was your level of involvement in this documentary?
1: So the, the role of, of the impact producer is, um, kind of a, a really, uh, a modern role. Um, it's something that I didn't really, you know, this is my first time uh, being an impact producer and when it was explained to me uh, a few years ago what the the role of an impact producer was i was like i can't believe that 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 didn't exist before um but really in a in simple terms um the the role of the impact producer is to expand the goals of a particular film beyond the traditional exposure and revenue goals um you know, for this film, MLK, FBI, my goal is really to take this story and extend the discourse beyond the release. Um, there are some really important questions that this film raises. There's a lot of context that this film gives um, that I, I think will shock and and awaken a lot of people and after the film um i think people will will want to discuss um so yeah so my job is really to um create a an, a venue and to create a, a forum so that we can have a, an informed discourse not just around this film and not just around uh dr king and what what happened to him um or even just the, the nature of the federal bureau of investigation but around investigation and surveillance mm-hmm. uh past and present and and who who's investigating the investigators
0: yeah i def i so that's that's the point i want to talk about but first i i think i it must be said that you know, I, I think the conversation around Martin Luther King to in, in, like, the general public, per se, if, if, you, if you're not kind of connected to civil rights movements or you're, you're not doing your research on those or you, you're not, that's not your focus, it's very easy to just say, happy Martin Luther King Day and say, oh, yeah, he, he was um, he was great, yeah, great. And, then, and especially if you, growing up in public, Going to public school in the states uh, in a not particularly diverse area, you know, you kind of get the the bullet points. You know, MLK bad Muslim violent, or um, uh, uh, Malcolm X bad Muslim violent. MLK nice Christian happy. You know, <laughs> like it, right. you don't really get. Um, and and I think that a lot of that is to is is to divert our attention because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about those two. And, and I don't think I know for a fact, I don't think these people were enemies. <laughs> they were fighting for the same thing. And, and, uh, towards the end of their lives, you know, they, they, they became closer, but not to go off on, on that tangent. What, what I'm saying is, um, we get a very watered down, uh, history of Martin Luther King and, Besides watching watching this film, I would say you can on the streaming platforms you can go look up. You could just type in Martin Luther King, and so much audio of him speaking is there. And if you listen to those speeches, um, and you think about where we are now, it's 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 really quite jarring, and it, you'll develop an even greater understanding and respect for this man. And I think films like this, um, it's it's really good to to remind ourselves of, of the actual history. So I just wanted to say that, and I want to say thank you for, for making this film. And I hope that anybody that knows me, uh, does watch this film. Uh, I'll be pushing everyone to do so. And now you spoke about surveillance. How has your views changed, um, about surveillance of the public in general after, after making this?
1: Well, um, I have to, I definitely have to, um, Say that you know. I think Sam Pollard and Ben Hadine, um, the director, um, Sam and and the writer and producer Ben Hadine. I think that their um, I think that their goal was to really just make people really understand the what what surveillance is and what it does to people. Um, I, th- I think that that's something that we don't often uh, think enough about. Um, is just all of the uh, the complications of what happens when someone is being watched um, and their their privacy is being violated. Um, but also I think just you know just to answer your question very directly, I think it, it really made me um, to, I think it made me realize that Dr. King was a, a three-dimensional, Human being, um, whereas, like you said, uh, growing up in the U.S. and going to public school, I think that the, the story that we're given is a very two dimensional story. But I don't think um, I don't think that it's just that it's watered down. I think that it's it's a very curated story, yeah. And I think that it's been curated um, differently according to different interests uh, at different points in time which is you know a major a major point that Sam raises in the film um you know we don't we most people um you know whether you're Gen X or a millennial like me or or Gen Z I don't think you know before watching this film we're all really taught that that Dr. King was not um who was not publicly embraced, uh, the way that, that, you know, the story is told today. Um, and just, you know, to, to recognize the level of, uh, pressure and, uh, resistance that he was facing externally, um, or rather publicly and, uh, privately, it's, it's astounding. I mean, it's it's a big, it's it's a lot to take in and to, to recognize that this was, uh, this was a man, this was a person and he was targeted by the most powerful agency on the planet.
0: And you, you talk about being three-dimensional. Um, I can't, I can't imagine knowing that I'm being watched at all times. Um, you know, people talk about nowadays, oh, with data mining and with our phones, and everybody can... You know, modern surveillance is very crazy, but when... In the early 60s, when, when he was the face of, of a movement like that and being stalked by, like you said, the, the most powerful um, agency in the world, and uh, I'm not going to do... have, I'm not going to spoil anything here, uh, but what, my takeaway from that is his his strength of character is is even more impressive when, when you see these speeches and you see the way that he um, contains himself in ridiculous interviews and the way he addresses the public, there's so much strength um, and, and knowing that he is definitely looking at over his shoulder (laughs) and, and has to be concerned about him and his life and his family's life the whole time. And on that topic, I was wondering if, if when you were working on this film, if, uh, there was any like penny drops or any, anything you learned about, uh, the people around him, such as like, uh, Baird Rustin and other organizers, uh, maybe John Lewis or pe- people that were close to him, um, that you stum- any information on these people that you stumbled upon?
1: Well, um, initially I, you know, I, I wanted to be a part of the film and when, when Ben, you know, told me that he had the idea years ago, um, I actually was like, I want to be like a PA, like, just let me help. This is, this is a story that, um, you know, I always think that a good, a good story feels like it should have already been told to me. Um, if I hear it and I'm like, I can't believe that hasn't, I haven't, I, I, you know, it's familiar. Hmm. Um, (laughs) And so initially, you know, some of my involvement, you know, I did a little bit of research on uh, Stanley Levinson, who was an associate and actually a good friend of Dr. King um, and was the kind of the, the reason uh, that the FBI used and that uh, J. Edgar Hoover used to, um, to begin wiretapping Dr. King. Uh, because of Stan Levinson's associations uh, with the Communist Party. Um, and I think that that kind of, um, I think that that kind of, that, I think that there is a big disconnect between the boomers and the Gen X um, and millennial generation between, you know, the, the red scare and, you know, those of us that have grown up with multiple economic depressions and, um, you know, witnessing just the, uh, results of capitalism. I think that there is a lot of, um, there's a gap. Um, so, you know, realizing that Dr. King was, uh, literally his life was was put in danger in in so many different ways and um his privacy was violated because of his associations with you know um someone who was a communist is really di- it was difficult for me mm-hmm. to to really i mean you know you understand it because you you read it and you say okay there was the um There was the McCarthy era and there was, you know, it was criminal um, to be communist at the time. But to really, like, understand the fact that, you know, there is a a federally funded agency that said this is reason enough to begin wiretapping um, and eventually bugging a citizen is, is serious. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that was um that was something that stood out to me.
0: Um I think we should uh we should get into some music now. So you sent over uh you sent over a track by Harry Belafonte, Oh Freedom, and this uh preservation hall jazz band, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Um we're gonna play those tracks and then I think uh throw in a Aretha Franklin, Young Gifted and Black. Um why why did you pick those two tunes?
1: Um, well, I think that, you know, that Harry Belafonte is like, you know, and, it, and he's an eternal star. I mean, he was, um, you know, he was one of the the first uh, celebrities to really champion uh, the, you know, what was known at the time as a civil rights movement um, and to really popularize it and in a lot of ways protect, um, protect it. Um, just by that exposure. Um, And so, you know, it's a song that's played in the film. Seemed like a good idea. Um, And Mm -hmm. Lift Every Voice and Sing the Black uh, National Anthem. You know, that's a song that that Ben and Sam reached out to the Preservation Hall Jazz Band to collaborate um, on a rendition for the film. And yeah, I think that they they were definitely inspired um, in in their rendition. And there's we we also created a music video. I I was able to make a music video um, for their rendition, and that's that's available on iTunes and uh, pretty much all streaming platforms as well. Um, if people have a chance today, I think um, well people will be hearing this on Thursday. It'll be good to watch forever. It's, so. Oh
0: freedom, oh freedom, oh freedom over me. And before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave. And go home to my Lord and be free.
1: We must begin to tell our
0: young. There's a world waiting for you.
1: You, yours is the quest has just
0: begun. So I wanted to talk about, I think it's. We might as well talk about comparing uh the time that the film documents uh comparing it to now and to have some context here. Um I think, you know, at the top of the show we played Ray Charles and I and I talked about how he was the first to one of the first performers to start using their voice against the Jim Crow laws. Now that was in Georgia. And I think when we look at what happened last week in the United States when white supremacists stormed the Capitol at at the call of the sitting presidents, you know, and, uh, you know, I think one of the saddest things about this is behind all that, John Lewis's intern, John uh, Ossoff and John Lewis's pastor, Raphael Warnock, uh, flipped Georgia to democrats because they're both democrats they 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 took they won their election and john lewis and and they they would not have won if it wasn't for uh black grassroots movements and stacy abrams and and others that really pushed to get people out and john lewis was very was close to martin luther king and he was at selma and he was a revered hero and i think that that's one of the really sad things about last week is is that gets overlooked and when I saw, when I watched the film, there was an interview where Martin Luther King sitting down with this this lady. I think her name, the last name is Polly, some wow. white lady, and she was calling him a, a, a radical, a racial agitator. Um, being in New York right now and seeing what's been going on, how how do you compare what we're seeing now compared to uh, the the '60s and and the movements that were happening then?
1: I think that's such an interesting question. I think that um, you know, a part of me, you know, feels like, wow, this is a very similar tension. Uh, this moment is a very similar tension to that that moment um, that's documented in the film. Um, but also, I think that you know that there's been, you know, this m- moment that we're in more generally is a result of you know the that moment, um, I guess the way that I would compare the two is that there is uh, a lot of focus on, you know, the, the people who are resisting oppression, there is a lot of focus always on the people who, uh, you know, are being denied human rights to justify themselves. I think that, you know, what this film does is really it focuses on the agency, which is abusing power um, and on, you know, all of the different um, agents, whether it be, uh, you know, people uh, in the media or others who, who, don't recognize how they're being used by, you know, this kind of, um, this, you know, this system, um, to continue to deny power. Um, it really focuses on what motivates them. You know, what is that, what, what is that, uh, what is the nature again? What is the nature of this, this kind of, um, and, agency so one of the things that you know when you were talking i'm i was thinking i was you know visualizing that uh those images that everyone saw on the news of uh you know insurrection at the capitol you know i don't know if anyone
0: has has seen that in in the world um oh people saw it over here people saw it over here for sure It, it was you know top of the top of the news hour what i saw so. yeah no i mean at, but
1: but anywhere else you know right uh, i those those are very uh yeah it's it's uh it is surreal to see but i while i was watching it reminded me um you know it reminded me of the some of the the footage in the film from the birth of a nation and a lot of the concerns. Um, that were imagined by white society you know uh in in wd griffith's uh work about how black americans would um you know desecrate the the symbols of sovereignty of, of the nation um if allowed to be free um And it's just incredible how that, if you go back and you, you know, you look at that, that, the, those scenes from that film and compare to what we actually saw in reality. I mean, it's, it's incredible how those projections, um, onto another, you know, have been manifested in in real time. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, and, you know, Sam is such a film buff and that's so, uh that's so uh, incredibly timely that that is in this film and then for us to be able to see that um, you know I think that there is some deeper there's some deeper parallels you know that than even just the way that that king you know was um, you know kind of being asked to defend some of the most obvious um, some of the most obvious things yeah in that organizers and activists today um are are in some ways being distracted by some of these these conversations and questions that they're being forced that you know we're we're all being forced to engage in instead of really going deeper into kind of the nature um of the situation that we
0: find ourselves in yeah i think one thing one thing that's good about um right now is that obviously there are leaders in in the movements that we're seeing whether that be black lives matter or even other movements sunrise movement whatever whatever the group there's not as much and maybe this is just the nature of of the times and technology and stuff but there's it's not as much placed on a single person um whereas i think in the past it, it was you know and uh, you know you have to ask yourself well how come f- you know freddie king martin luther king malcolm x you know you think about all these people they, and when you look, watch this film it's it's quite clear that the fbi if they found a charismatic black leader they were not going to let that person um organize i think fred fred king is probably sorry fred hampton's probably the the most obvious Example because he was so young and all these, all these men that were, that I just mentioned were, were very young. Um, so I think not having like one face at the front of black lives matter where that everybody's waiting to hear from that person helps um, and not to get too political. You know, I think, you know, I, I, I was somebody that voted for B- Bernie Sanders both times. Um, and, and I, I lo- you know, I really, Love the the vision that he had, and Killer Mike uh, would would always talk about the Poor People's Campaign and Martin Luther King and how Bernie Sanders was was outlining something, the closest thing to that that he's seen. And 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 now since you look at the Stacey Abrams and the move and Bernie Sanders and the movements and the grassroots movements politically and as activists, I'm trying to remain optimistic here. I do think that the incoming administration knows that they will have to listen to these folks more than administrations in the past, otherwise it's they'll just get voted out. Maybe I'm being a optimistic hippie here. <laughs> I don't know if you have any insight from that side well I definitely
1: um I definitely am optimistic as well, and I think um you know I think that what we have an opportunity to do you know and what i'm what I'm um, excited about is some of the conversations that we're going to be having um, with this film about just, just that, you know, what, what is the real um, legacy of this, this movement that so many people, you know, try to um, try to lift up um, in certain moments um, we have to remember that even after you know uh, individual uh, or, or singular polit- political victories. Um, it, it's something that's much uh, broader and bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, through continuing a discourse, we're able to keep up the pressure to keep up the consciousness that uh I think a lot of people become um connected to during political campaigns mm-hmm. um you know I think that that's what I'm excited about is being able to to expand that and extend that far beyond um you know the past couple of months um and and definitely this moment
0: so I think we're gonna play some more music now were you um we're gonna play some some things that are a little bit more contemporary. You put in a uh, an, a remix of a Nina Simone track. I and so I took away. I put in some original Nina Simone. I I took it away because I thought I'm gonna put this in the modern bit. You, this uh, Felix the Housecat remix of sinnerman and um, I'd never heard it before. He sent it to me, and then uh, we got Nas Ten Points. Um, I'm I put in a track by Common. Because uh, Common campaigned really hard in Georgia. And this song, Courageous, features Stevie Wonder on the track and kind of joins, joins some errors there.
1: God is steps I don't take for granted. Time is manic, we internalize. Honor that little boy, a little girl inside. Pray these words arise to the ears of angels.
0: Uh, That was Common's Courageous featuring Stevie Wonder on his recent release, Beautiful Revolution. Um, So mindful of the time. I know we got to get ticking along. There's only an hour in this show. Um, What are some things that you think you hope people take away from this film about uh, A, Martin Luther King, and B, the FBI that maybe you took away uh, in the process that the general public is unaware of? Um, I definitely,
1: you know, I think Sam's goals were to, you know, uh, complicate our perception of, you know, the Dr. King that we are being sold today, um, you know, in terms of his public image and also the understanding that we have of the FBI and really by extension all of the, um, all of these kind of, uh, investigative and intelligence agencies, um, of the, the U S government. I think, uh, for me, you know, it was definitely, um, it was definitely important, you know, to, to develop this kind of more nuanced understanding of Dr. King as an individual, knowing that movements, um, only happen through, through collective struggle but also being able to uh acknowledge and appreciate the contributions of this this leader and the the struggle that we are still uh I think really only just now beginning to really understand that uh, that he he endured um and also I mean I think you know we we kind of I think we have to recognize that you know that so much of the history that we understand maybe all of it is revised for the moment mm. and the way that you know king has been um you know at one point the you know J. Edgar hoover said that you know dr king was the most notorious liar um and now the, the FBI wishes Dr. King a happy birthday. So mm-hmm. we should definitely understand that, you know, these, these agencies that have um, some of the highest concentrations of power on the planet, you know, don't do anything for no reason. And so we should, you know, as a society, I think really begin to, to recognize our collective power and understanding what these agencies are doing, um, and really having a, a, a substantive conversation about what um, what kind of checks we have um, on that that type of power, you know, the power of surveillance um, you know is is a very is, it's a very serious power, especially now that that we have to get in front of.
0: Something, um, you know, after I watched the film, I I did think, you know, this, I got that it was like the first time I listened to like a full audio speech of of Martin Luther King, um, and people talking about him that were outside of the, you know, whatever you learn in, in third grade, I, and I had a hunch <laughs> straight away. Okay, I haven't got the full story here, but when no. I when I watched this this film, you know, I I, I definitely got a strong sense of. Trying to set the record straight, but also, correct me if I'm wrong, like kind of trying to shield, uh, tarnishing his legacy even more in years to come, because I feel like now you know people can dig up anything from archives and so much old information you, you one can take and and throw out there and ma- manipulate. Was was there a sense of um that you one of the reasons this this film was made was that so in years to come when you know uh powers that be try to tarnish his legacy there's something on record that to, to point to
1: um well i definitely
0: appreciate your um <laughs> well i didn't want to be i don't want to be a spoiler I, 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 I talked around it if you when you watch the film you'll be able to see yeah i i definitely
1: appreciate that but i i think that um you know i mean i grew up watching um you know, Sam Pollard's work before I really understood or, or ever met Sam Pollard. And I think what I, what I appreciate um, about what he's done in the past and what he's done here is really just giving context and not necessarily saying, you know, we're going to try to um, protect Dr. King, but acknowledging that there is some information that's going to come down the pipeline and people should understand where this information is coming from and what the intentions of the FBI has been historically um, and what the nature of the FBI has been historically. Um, I think that that is crucial. You know, I think a lot of people believe that they understand, you know, I think, you know, we, we grow up kind of believing that, Oh, we understand that, you know, people used to think the FBI was good, but we know now that the, the, the FBI is bad. But if you look at the way that the FBI established itself in popular culture, um, and the film does that the film really, I think does a better job of that than any, any film I've seen. Um, if I you know if I can say that, um, yeah, that's, but, all right. that's all right. Any fi-
0: better than any film I've seen.
1: <laughs> but I think it, by extension, if you while while watching it, I immediately begin to think about you know the the media that we've all you know Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, you know what we've grown up with, um, cops. You know one of the first reality shows in the U.S. Mm. Uh, Law and Order. Um, you know, we watch these shows that really establish the um, investigative arm of government um, and the and law enforcement as the heroes. And, uh, cops, and was uh, it, cops
0: was the most watched show. I mean, I'm 36 years old, but I, I do remember when Bowling for Columbine came out. That that I was a teenager, 17, 16, and it really hit me in my tracks. And and I remember that there was a bit in the film they were talking about how Cox, cops had the highest rating. Ratings of any TV show for like years—it's—it's right. it's nuts if you think about it. it, and and I think it does kind of frame like when you talk about police brutality now. I think it does it kind of sets up a lot of people our age, like to when you see, you know, a Blake or a Floyd or a Breonna, it, it, it it's there's millions of people that go, oh, what they do before before getting into like, wait a second, the the, <laughs> the government just took this person's life. Um, because the I, context the context was created for us through these through
1: these shows and through um the entertainment. And so I I really I think that um that what Sam has done is given us a deeper context to understand what's happening now and you know and definitely for what's to come. Um
0: well Kenneth I just wanted to say thank you again for coming on um everybody this has been uh, the 15th episode of the hashtag Speak Up Thursday radio show with love, music, hate, racism on SohoRadioLondon.com. Uh, please go see the film MLK slash FBI. Uh, what's, it's pretty easy to find out there, right?
1: Yeah, you can you can go to uh, MLKFBI.co.uk um, and it has all of the streaming platforms and ways to either see it in a theater or to stream it, but still support your theaters. Um, and also, you know, if people are interested in having community conversations, um, or virtual forums or discussions, they can go to mlkfbi.com forward slash partners, um, and get in contact with us so that we can, um, we can collaborate on that so that I can collaborate, um, with people that want to have a, a deeper conversation after
0: watching the film Amazing, it's brilliant um, We're going to finish up today with a few more tunes, one that you chose called The Cure from Nas of his last album and we're going to play an excerpt of Martin Luther King's final speech before the night he was assassinated and, uh, and an obvious one for the end, so just wanted to say thanks again for coming on and we'll see everybody in a couple weeks Thank you, Alex.